17 minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to uh, Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro with myself, Ayabong Atawe. And uh, we continue with our conversations and uh, we take a look now at uh, the uh, leading stories in the marketplace and those that are moving markets at the start of this new week. And helping me to take a look at these is uh, independent analyst and market commentator and the CA, Sinesi Pomaninjwa. Sinesi, good evening to you and welcome. Evening, Aya. How are you today? I'm well, thanks. I'm good, man. Good, man. Good, 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 good. Uh, I want us maybe to start here with uh, an interesting story, I guess, uh, and uh, many of our listeners would be familiar with the story. We spoke about uh, the uh, uh, sort of Nissan-Renault-Mitsubishi alliance last week uh, a little bit, and uh, it seems now that uh, more details have emerged about the daring escape here of uh, Carlos Gotten to uh, Lebanon. And, uh, of course, uh, he made his journey from uh, Japan uh, initially to Istanbul in Turkey and then, of course, to Beirut, uh, where we understand is also a citizen and having spent... Uh, much of his life there. What do you make of this particular story? I must say it certainly has the sort of smoke, mirrors and daggers that one would expect in uh, a uh, Hollywood uh, feature here. Surely this thing blows me away. This man was under 24-7 surveillance. This thing, <laughs> I'm low-key impressed by it. I so, yeah. <laughs> I'm low-key impressed. Uh, Johnny, you must be impressed by this. So the rationale for his escape is the Japanese prosecution has sort of a 99% conviction rate for all criminals. Aye. Not Lendo Sinai in them. No, but, but you can't have a 99% conviction rate as like prosecutors. I mean, surely, surely, surely. So, 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 so um, it's also because they have a no tolerance uh, for crime. <laughs> they have a no tolerance for crime. So it's not one of those, it's, the society, the structure of the society is such that if you're charged, you're going to jail. Think about it in this way. It's pretty much very common, specifically with the Asian countries. Think about it this way. The former CEO of Samsung is in jail mm. as we speak. They don't play games for APA. The idea that your CEO is a mere technicality, nothing to do. So he was released on bail. Carlos was released on bail. And then he was put under 24-7 surveillance. Now, what was interesting is that he had meetings, quite a few meetings in his lawyer's offices. Mm. And he procured what you would call, they call it an elite extraction team. Like some James Bond, uh, you know, thinking spy way things. Because that's, that's, the, way I, that's the way I picture it. They, then, they, that's the thing. So the Japanese prosecutors are trying to figure out how he escaped. They even, um, they, they're uh, detaining the lawyer, the law firm. Because he was under surveillance and he had to wear a monitor. But he hired the extraction team. The only reason why we know how he flew out, the question is how did he even get to the airport, the drive to the airport? The reason why we know how he flew out is because of the flight manifests that have come out subsequently and those are records that can be... But, um, but didn't they say, didn't they say that what, what normally happens, I mean, he always has people tailing him. But in this particular instance, they, when he, whenever he would go into a hotel, so he was allowed to make some movements, I mean, minimal movements within you know, the area. But whenever he would move to a hotel, they would never follow him. And uh, we he- now hear from this Bloomberg story that actually what happened was he went into that hotel, which uh, seemingly had a mall sort of attached to it or uh, as an appendage to it. And uh, he ended up, I guess, uh, really sort of um, losing his tail and uh, making his way to a train station um, under whatever guise and ending up in a chartered flight all the way to Istanbul. Yes, like I said, um, and also the idea of escaping, like I said, the society of Japan, 
the Japanese society, I don't think they thought that he would actually do it. Mm, 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 mm. But they forget that they detained someone with a wealth of resources. Exactly, exactly. And jail, and he was facing 10 years. He was not going, he was like, jail. And the, the way he did it, like, the level of tailing, that's why I was like, the, the, the level, the way he was able to be extracted, it, it, it's quite impressive, low-key, quite impressive. Not to say we're fans of crime, but it's, it's the whole execution of it all. Nice. It is quite impressive because you, it's one of those where it was well thought out, mm. it was well executed, it was, um, he had the resources and he just did not want to go yeah. to jail. And this is bear in mind, and I think this is very, very clear. This is the thing. When you have no tolerance for corruption, even, because remember, this was not, Nissan is not a, it was not one of those things where the corruption was directly affecting the public purse. Mm. But the principle of corruption is that if you commit the crime, you must do the time regardless of what standing you have in society. Mm. That's why I make the example sure. of a whole CEO of Samsung is in jail as we speak. Mm-hmm. It certainly, uh, I guess, uh, triggers something else in my mind and uh, it makes me recall the sort of epic stories of a group called Executive Outcomes. And maybe when we have a bit more time, we can talk about uh, what uh, some of those guys, old South African Defense Force guys who would uh, uh, undertake similar kinds of missions, you know, elite extractions, uh, you know, uh, elite coups and all manner of other things. But let's shift our attention there from uh, the theatrics and I guess the daring escape there of uh, Carlos uh, from uh, Japan to uh, Lebanon and take a look at uh, what's happening here with SAA. Now, Tito uh, Mboweni, on uh, the eve of uh, that meeting in the Swiss Alps there, the World Economic Forum, uh, telling in the investor community there that uh, the Treasury is still looking for the 2 billion rand that's needed by the national carrier. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so my sometimes my Guys, with my Lumpito, there's something called decorum. I think it sets a very, um, it is a very bad public PR image for him to have said that statement. When SAA was placed in voluntary business rescue in Mm. December, it was already announced that they would need post-commitment funding. This is not new information. Now, this was voluntary business rescue. The question is, when you put yourself in voluntary business rescue, where did you think the money was going to come from? No, but they had, they had this all planned out, right? Uh, there was some mm-hmm. sense that and then at least that would allow them to drive the business rescue sort of process in a manner that they could seemingly control. Uh, and it's quite clear now that uh, we can't even sell, sell any assets quick enough to be able to, I guess, get the ball rolling. Think about it. The only liquid trading asset that the government has, um, they could either raise money through the bond markets or they could sell some telecom shares and telecom's not trading under caution rates. So unless, uh, that's the the thing with me, um, Aya, is that I question the seriousness of our shareholder because for me, a business rescue process is actually quite, it's quite prescriptive. In terms of when you take voluntary, there's involuntary business rescue and then mm. there's voluntary. This was voluntary and it was prescriptive in terms of how the execution was. This is not new information. Did they go on holiday in December and then they'd be like, okay, so it's up into a billion. And for me, us going to the World Economic Forum is about number one, we are a country in search in dying of foreign direct investment. So mm. what does this say when? 
what does this say if you are a potential investor in the country? Yeah. So let's, about, let's pause there. Let's pause there for a second, and uh, we'll come back to this issue of uh, what uh, we should anticipate from the Swiss Alps, and uh, we also know 17-year-old Ayaka Melitafa is also going to be talking there on climate change. Business wrap of the day. Seven minutes it is before 8 p.m. and you tuned in to Metro FM Talk on the Mighty Metro and we're taking a look at the top business stories that are moving markets at the start of this new week and joining me to do this is uh, independent analyst, market commentator and chartered accountant Snesipo Maninjwa. Now Snesipo, I was saying just before we went to the break uh, that uh, a lot to expect here from uh, the World Economic Forum. We also know 17-year-old South African Ayaka Melitafa is going to be joining one of the panels at Davos uh, taking a look at uh, young people's perspectives on what's happening uh, when it uh, comes to climate change, but also uh, a lot, I guess, uh, said to be said about uh, this whole idea of stakeholder capitalism. And I mentioned that, uh, Snezibut, because I think many people uh, often say, you know, this is uh, the who's who in the world of global money hobnobbing. Some people have said, um, and uh, I actually saw this earlier on, uh, author Anand uh, Giridadas uh, from uh, India saying, it's a family reunion for people who, in my view, broke the modern world and uh, uh, somebody else is saying that this is uh, the platform where billionaires tell millionaires how the middle class lives. Uh, it's everything. It's all the above, friend. It's really all the above. Um, Davos is just one of those uh, functions of where rich people make themselves feel good as if they're making a difference. But besides the gathering of the rich people, it's actually a very, very important um I think it's a very, very, very important um, event where countries can sort of like pitch for business. Mm. Because for me, there's a there's a greater job. I think a lot of people like to focus on the billionaire discussions and they forget the purpose of the event. It's, it's, it's a very good opportunity to showcase your country. You have all the key decision makers globally. So, from, so for me, for any country looking to make Yields and yields, having to conquer devils is, is critical. So I think I think I think the billionaires take a lot of the spotlight, but I think it also it takes away from the purpose of the of the event. And things like you may think it's a talk shop, but think about it. A couple of years ago in Dallas, it was discussed how climate change. Straight afterwards, you've got Paris, you've got carbon tax being emitted in carbon tax being promulgated into law in South Africa. You know, it's not just a talk shop. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, no, look- no, no. I, I think, I think, in in in, in, in certain aspects, I think, I, I think, like I said, you think about the PR flair of it when you mm. actually think about how many of these decisions have actually come. That's why I make the example of carbon tax because you would not, you would not. The idea of tra- of trade policy, it, it, it's all. It, it, it is so- a talk shop. The, Trade, you know, trade. People need to focus on trade because you know it's a speciality of mine. Okay, so so let's let, let's do this, Nisip. I mean, look, I'm, on the point of the climate, I mean, I think a lot more work was done even in the early 2000s prior to this thing coming onto the radar of the World Economic Forum uh, to lobby many governments, both here at home and even abroad, on uh, uh, issues of 
uh, climate. I mean, I think of the Kyoto Protocol and many other things that uh, I guess preceded the attention that we've got. But on this issue of trade, I mean, we know that Donald Trump is one of the keynote speakers at this uh, at Davos, and he's certainly shown his own contempt. Uh, for the global trade rules, uh, what the World Trade Organization makes provision for, and even in terms of how he's used trade policy as a stick and a carrot in uh, his relations not only with China, but even us here in South Africa. Yes, trade is important. Um, For me, uh, I always like to say that it's actually quite unfortunate that the USA, as well as African governments have only now recently started waking up to the power of trade and how you need to pay attention to these negotiations. Uh, hey, Tina, we go, that there to those, we go to those negotiations ne, where America goes with a team of 50, uh, including lawyers, economists, you know, tacticians and all manner of other people. You go, you find African countries there uh, with a delegation of two people, you know. And even with that delegation of two people, you're not even uh, uh, sort of bargaining from common... Uh, negotiating positions, even with your African counterparts. So uh, it's certainly, I, th- I think you make a very good point that we probably haven't taken uh, this issue of trade as seriously as we ought to. I, I, I'm going to correct you on the African leadership. Have you seen the African delegation? To say it's not, it's not a numbers game. It's not a numbers. For me, it's not about the number of people you bring to the, to the delegation. It's about the quality of the people you bring to the delegation. Mm. The, the issue of African government, and I know it's going to sound like a generalization as if I'm hating. And forget that they are here to negotiate. You are here to lobby. You are here for a strategic purpose. It's not just to drink champagne and hang out and take pictures with a Jack Ma. But, like, that is the truth of Bogate because that is what's become. Like, let us be honest. And I think let's take ownership of the fact that when people go to Davos, that is what I said, people forget the PR, but they forget that the reason we are here, there is a strategic mission that is here for you going to mm. Davos. What story must SA Inc. sell at Davos? Um, we must be selling the story of reform. Because mm. that, 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 that should be the story. So when you're airing your laundry, airing your laundry, in public, uh, that's the reasons why I don't think Mr. Kitombowen is not also, or someone must just take away his cell phone and hide it from him and close it to As a Davos, when you have selfie at Twitter, as a Davos, no, as Bonnie is. But, like, the truth be told is that, like I told you, I, I want people to move away from the PR aspect of it being a blended playground. Yes, mm. we all take that in consideration, but there is also strategic importance of going there. It is your best. Like I told you, you've got all the global decision makers in one room. When will we, where else, name one other gathering that has that much power in one room. And you must be strategic about it. The story, we, and that's the problem is that Amandu, they want to enjoy the nice things. They want to go shopping. Yeah. They want to go, and they forget that, like I said, it's a very it's a strategic the purpose of Davos, and for us, SA, our goal, as know, President Tumamina said, our goal is to get to that 100 billion rand of investment. Mm. Part of Davos, part of going to Davos should be selling that mission. Sure, definitely. Snezibo? Let's uh, leave it there, and unfortunately, we have run out of time. But always a pleasure catching up with you, and I certainly am going to take some time out to try and dig up and uh, research uh, who is on that SA Inc. list to go to Davos, and uh, maybe we can catch up with one of them and uh, hear some of their own experiences uh, throughout the course of this particular week. That was our business wrap, and a big thank you to you, Snesipo, uh, for joining us to take a look at some of the big stories of the day. All right.
Then thank you. Business, business wrap of the day.